always start us off with this, with this thought, with this thought, that oftentimes we measure other people by what they do. We measure other people by their actions or, or their inaction. We measure, we judge other people by their actions or, or what they do. But the flip side, we measure ourselves by what we are meant to do. So we judge others by their actions or their inactions, but we judge ourselves by our intentions, by what we meant to do. Well, I was thinking about this, but, so if you're taking notes today, you may want to write that down because it's gonna come up on the big screen up here behind me. We oftentimes, we measure others by what they do, and we measure ourselves by what we meant to do. And that's key. Today, that's gonna help us build the foundation because as I'm talking about this, you guys are gonna see here why this is so important, okay? So, so, so I'll give you an example. The other day, Marie, I, I was expecting Marie to come home, and she took a little while to come home. She was actually late for the time that we had talked about. And so I'm looking at the clock, I have the kids, I'm trying to keep them entertained, and she was delayed. Which, by the way, pray for my kids, they're a little sick today. They're at home with my wife, 103 degree uh, temperature, so, uh, what is it, temperature, head fever, anyway. Yeah, so I'm waiting for them, they don't come home, I'm like, what's going on? And so what do I start doing? I start freaking out. I'm like, wait, where is she? How come she's not here? She said she was gonna be, she's not here. So I'm freaking out and I'm thinking the worst. What am I thinking? She got in a car accident. Oh my gosh, she got in a car accident. I'm freaking out. She's, she, she hasn't called me. She, I don't know where she's at. Maybe she's, she's dead. Maybe she's dead. Maybe she's on the side of the road, dead. And oh my gosh, I have the kids with me. I can't do this by myself. I can't. I can't be a dad. I can't be to church. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna lose it. I'm a mess. Who's gonna marry me? Because I'm a mess, and I. And everyone's really gonna know because I can't handle it. So I'm freaking out, right? And then suddenly, my wife shows up, and I'm like, so instead of me saying, "Oh my gosh, I'm so glad you're here. I'm glad you're okay," what do I do? Yes, I let her have it. Well, how could you do this to me? All you had to do was pick up the phone. You couldn't even text. I can't believe you didn't even text. I mean, your phone is right. It's never further than your arm's length, and you couldn't even text me. What's wrong? And so I think it's her. Right? So the next day, guess what happens? I am running late. <laughs> and I'm like, you know what? I should probably call her, right? Because I need to let her know that I'm running late. <laughs> but one thing that you got, I got sidetracked. I got caught up in stuff, and I didn't call her. And so I show up, and what happens? She blew up on me, she lets me have it, and you, you freaked me out, you could attack me, you could let me know. And I'm like, but, 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 to my defense, at least I, I thought about it. I mean, actually, it came across my mind, I had every good, but I didn't get partial credit for that, like I at least tried, but there was no winning that one, right? And so this is the problem that we face, is that we judge ourselves by what we meant to do, but we judge others by what they do or they don't. You, you guys see where I'm going with this? So it's so today, the title of our talk is, how do we connect the disconnect? What can we do to fill this void so that there's not this disconnection that happens because how, how do we bridge that gap between what we meant to do and what we do when in our relationships with others? We're gonna talk about that today. So uh, if you notice, 
Well, no, I'll just tell you. Number one in our outlines, and I'll have to find it up here. Number one in our outlines, how do we dis how do we connect and disconnect? Well, number one is you have to say what you got to say. Say what you got to say. So today I'm going to ask you to help me out. Help me out today by saying what you got to say. So everybody, can you repeat that? Number one is going to come up right there. Everybody yeah. say that with me. Go ahead. Say, say what you got to say. That's right. Say what you, it's really hard over here. I can't even read my notes, but we're going to work it out. All right. And so if you notice in chapter seven, the bride and the groom at this point, they're married. And the groom says what he has to say many a times all throughout the book. And here in chapter seven, he does it again. As a matter of fact, we're gonna read this, but right at the end of chapter seven, tail end of it, we notice that he, that she is doing something really interesting. At the end of chapter seven, she's actually dancing before, before him. She's dancing before him. And I just have to say, whenever your wife is dancing before you, that's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, the other way would probably be a bad thing, but this side is probably not a bad thing. The guy dancing, not probably, but this, she's dancing, and, and he's, he's, as she's dancing in front of him, she's thinking, he's thinking some really good thoughts, like, okay, this is good, but he doesn't just think these thoughts, he actually verbalizes. He says what he has to say, and he verbalizes these thoughts. And so he says to her here in chapter seven, let's look at verse one, he says, how beautiful your sandaled feet, O princess daughter. Your graceful legs are like jewels, the work of a craftsman's hands. And so if you, this is like the third time in the book that he's complimenting his wife and he's saying what he has to say. Now the first two times, he starts at the top of her head and he works his way down. This time I guess he's, you know, been married for a little while, he gets a little creative, we're gonna go the other way, so he starts from the bottom all the way to the top. So he starts at her feet, he says, your feet are amazing. He's basically saying, when God made you, he was making art. You are pristine, you are unbelievable. I love the way that God has made you. And so he keeps on saying, he says, verse two, he says, so your navel is a rounded goblet that never lacks blended wine. Your navel, what does that mean? I have no idea. Your navel is like a round goblet. I, I'm thinking a really big belly button is a round goblet. I mean, that's a pretty big thing. Don't think that's a compliment, but I think he meant it as a, as a see in the, in, the, in the times when this was written, the people of Israel regarded your navel, this part of your body, as the place, the center of all emotions. And so when he talks about wine, what he's talking about is yeah, always in the scriptures, always, whenever they talk about wine, they talk about it as being God's greatest blessings. It's God's, it represents God's greatest blessings. So he's saying something along the lines of, you know what, you are the greatest emotional blessing in my life. You, I've ever known, you're my best friend. And so that's what he's saying. And then he goes on to say, your waist is a mound of wheat encircled by lilies. Now I did the research on this and I still wasn't able to find out what he was thinking, but I, I just know that that probably wouldn't work today. Your waist is really big. Probably not going to fly today. But whatever. Verse 3 says, Your breasts are like two fawns, twins of a gazelle. Now, if you remember, he used this line earlier in the book, and it seemed to work, so I guess he's back doing the whole gazelle fawns thing all over again. And so he's sticking with what worked. And if you continue reading, he's talking about her neck, and then he talks about her nose, and then he compliments her eyes, and then he compliments her hair. And what's he doing? 
He was giving life to those thoughts that were in his mind. He was using positive words, not just any positive words. As I was looking at this passage, he's using three specific types of positive words. What are those three? They're going to come up on the big screen behind me. They are words that, that honor. They are words that are from the heart. And they are words of high esteem. What do I mean by this? Some examples. Like, hey, you tell me, I, I just want to tell you how much I admire you. I admire your work ethic. I admire your relationship with God. You, you, you are, you make parenting look easy. You make parenting look easy. I, I just want to tell you how much that you mean to me. I love waking up next to you every single day. These are words of high esteem. Words from the heart. Words that honor. Now, why are these types of words important? Well, in the book of Proverbs, chapter 18, verse 21, it tells, us, it, tells us, it tells us this, and it's going to come up on the big screen behind me. It says that the, the tongue has the power of life and of what? Help me out, you guys. And of death. So with your very words, you can speak life and encouragement and a blessing into your relationship. And out of the same mouth, you can also speak words of criticism, words of slander, words of gossip. Actually, you can speak words of death in a relationship that comes out of your mouth. And so you know what Marie and I do? We do this from time to time. And actually, we did this this past weekend on our road trip. We went to a wedding. And so we were on our road trip driving. And, and as we're driving on this road trip, we're thinking about the wedding we're going to. It made us think about our wedding. And one of us said this. I don't know if it was me or her. But we said, you know, I still can't believe that we're still together after 10 years. And I, I remember that it was my wife who said, yeah, right, 10 years. She's like, I'm like wow, I, I still can't believe that you laugh at my corny jokes. And she's like, yeah, right, tell me more. Tell me more that you can't believe. And I'm like, yeah, and I still can't believe that you said I do 10 years ago. And she's like, mm-hmm, that's right. And I still can't believe that, that you're still with me after all this time. Yeah. She's like, okay, my turn. She's like, I still can't believe that all these years, you still impress me about and teach me what a real man of God is, what a real man of God looks like. I can't believe after all these years that you're still such a great spiritual leader to our family. And then she changed it up a little bit. She said, you're, you're the best dad in the whole wide world. Now, she's a little partial. I don't necessarily think that way, but she's like, you're the best dad in the whole wide world. And then she says, and the way you lead this church with integrity, and you preach God's word fearlessly, no matter what others may say. I, I'm listening to her going on, and I, I, I'm kind of liking this. I mean, I didn't tell her this, but right at the, she had me at the beginning when she talked about man of God, but I'm listening to her, and I was like, okay, so what I'm going to do this. I'm going to wait till she's like almost exhausted everything she's going to say, and then I'm going to say what she said to me. Oh, tell me more. But I, I decided not to not to do that at the end. I just thank you so much. I love it. We were so spontaneous with each other, how these conversations, and, and it helps us, reminds us of why, how much we, we mean to each other. And I just want to encourage all of us here to have these conversations, to take a pause in the relationship and really appreciate the moment that you have with, with each other. So first, first thing, if you're taking notes is, and you guys help me out, what is it? If you think something good, Say it, right? Say what you got to say. Can anybody repeat that? Say what you got to say. Just say it. If you think of something good, say it. Now, I may have said this before in the previous message, 
And it is true. I have said it before. But I just want to tell you, this is so important. This is so imperative that we get this, that we don't just think thoughts. You guys, when we, when we just think these thoughts, it's sort of like when you buy a present for someone and you wrap the gift, but you never give it to them. And so what you're doing is you're robbing them of the blessing that they could receive if you could just say it, give life to it, and actually give it to them. So number one is say what you gotta say, just say it. Number two, second thing is if you think something special to do, guess what you're gonna do? You're gonna do it. If you think of something special to do, you just do it. You take action, you put it into action. So number two, if you think of something special, what are we gonna do you guys? You're gonna what? You're gonna do it, you're gonna put it into action. And we will apply it. And we're gonna watch as this godly couple, that's exactly what they do in their marriage, specifically. And so um, they spend what I call purposeful time together. Not just incidental time, but purposeful time. Many of us spend incidental time together. You know, at the end of the day, the kids are down and we're in the same room. Somebody's on the phone, the other one's reading, but we're not really spending quality time. We're just in the same room together. That's incidental time. That's not purposeful time, building something together. So everybody say, that's not purposeful. That's not purposeful. Say it again, that's not purposeful. It's not purposeful time, it's incidental time. We will spend purposeful time together. And that's what she does. She asks him out on a date. Watch what she says in verse 11 here. She says, come, my lover, let us go to the countryside. Let us spend the night in the villages. Now, what did she just say? She said, let's go have a bed and breakfast together. Let's go spend some time together on purpose. Let's, let's, let's go to Priceline and find some cheap hotel that we can stay at the Hilton. And let's go spend the night together and, and spend some purposeful time together. And I have to tell you that I'm not necessarily awesome at this. I am working at this. But one of the things I'm learning that I think is so key, I'm still learning even today, is how to say this one word. And this one word that I'm learning how to say, you know what it is? Very small word, two letters. You know what it is? No. I'm learning how to say that. And I'm actually praying these six words almost daily. Lord, help me to get this. Help me to say no when I have to say no so I can say yes to God's best for my life. How do I say no? I'm saying it to, to so many good things that are out there. They're, they're really good things, but I'm saying it in order to say yes to what's God's best for my life. And I'm learning that we have to learn to say no to the good things in order to say yes to God's best. Can somebody say yes? yes. It's one of the things that frustrates some people as they get closer to my wife and I. They, it gets frustrating for them because they'll say, hey, Pastor Abdi, would you come and, and lead this Bible study at, at my business? And I'll say, no, but thank you. Well, Pastor Abdi, will you come and speak at this fundraiser? And I'll say, no, but thank you. Well, Pastor Abdi, will you just travel with us? We gotta, we're doing this thing over here. Would you just come along with us? And I'll say, no, but thank you. And they're saying, well, why aren't you like all the other pastors? And I'm like, because God didn't call me to be like those other pastors. Look, I can, I'm a simple guy. I can do three things probably, that, that's it. And I'm gonna try to be as be the best I can be, as successful as I can be in these three things. You know what they are? Number one is, I'm gonna try to be the best husband and my wife that I can be. Amen. Number two is, I'm gonna try to be the best 
parent, father that I can be. Amen. And then the number three is I'm gonna try to lead this church the best way that I can be. Everything else, you guys, somebody else can do it. That's right, somebody else can do it. I, I'm just not gonna do that. <laughs> Thank you. And so, you know, uh, somebody will ask me, well, Pastor Abby, I wanna bless you. Why don't you come over to my house for dinner? And I'll say, you know what will really bless me? You let me have dinner with my family tonight. That will really be a bigger blessing. Thank you for that, but this will be a bigger blessing for me. And some people get offended by that. And I don't expect them to understand, I'll be honest. Because at the end of the day, I don't answer to that. The way I see it, it I, I'm going to be successful at these three things. And that's it. These three things I'm going to try really hard. And as far as I'm concerned, somebody else can do the other stuff. And when we learn to say no to so many things in order to say yes to God's best. The groom, probably in this passage, had to say no to some things. Maybe to a hunting trip that his buddies were getting ready to go on. Or maybe to go play golf. We're doing golf this weekend. And he's like, mm, nope, got to spend time with my wife this weekend. We're not got to get to spend time with my wife this weekend. We're, we're doing this bed and breakfast thing. Sorry. Or maybe he was working on the house and he had this extra room he was almost done with. And But his wife said, hey, let's get, let's get away. He's like, all right, I'm going to leave that for next weekend. Maybe the Shulamite woman, his wife, had to say no to some things as well. Maybe she had a girl's night out that, you know, she had an opportunity to go to, but she's like, you know what, no, I'm, I'm gonna spend time. Or maybe she had an opportunity to work some extra hours. Some extra hours at work, make some extra money. And she's like, no, I'm not gonna do that. I'm gonna spend time with my husband. You know, I'm gonna spend this purposeful time with my husband. She goes on to say in verse 12, let us go early to the vineyards and see if the vines have budded. There, I will give you my love. There was a purpose behind that time. There was a purpose behind that time together, and it was good. It was, it was, it was, if you're thinking something special, you guys, we want to do it. If we want to, if you want to think it, say it, right? If you're thinking about doing something special, do it. If you want something different, become something different. If you want something special, say it, do it, and be it. Can somebody say yes? yes. A pastor friend of mine, uh, not too long ago, was telling me a story about this older couple that he, he was a pastor's church, and he got a call, and this older couple was really sick, and actually his wife was unconscious in the hospital. She was on, on all these machines, and, and the husband asked if he would come and the pastor to come and pray. He's telling me the story that pastor friend, and so he goes over to, to, to the hospital, and he's there, he spends some time with them, really good bedside manner, telling me, and, and he prays with the couple, prays with the, the, the husband, and asking me you know, a few questions, and he's getting ready to leave, and the husband says, wait, 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 I'm going to tell you something again. I was young, about my age. He says, I, I got to tell you, I never told her that I loved her. The guy's in the seven. She's in the seven. They had been married for a bazillion, probably 50 years. And he never told her that he, that he was from that generation. And, and even not just generational things. Sometimes it's just a, a cultural thing. Sometimes it's a... It's a, it's a personality thing that, you know, you don't really show your emotions, you don't really express. He never told her that he loved her. And so he's telling me that. I'm like, wow, what did you do? I told asked my pastor. And he was like, I told him, let's pray. Let's pray that God would wake her up one last time, if that's what he has, so he could tell her that he loves her. And so they prayed in that moment, and he left. And, and he told me that the, the husband called him, and he said, she didn't wake up, she died. He didn't get a chance, so so he asked the pastor to come and do the funeral, and it was a really small funeral, 75 people. 
And he's, you know, tradition, in the traditional funeral, just FYI, I learned this at my first funeral, that you, the, the pastor, the guy, the guy officiating, usually has to stand at the head of the casket. This was an open casket. And he's standing there, he does his, his message, and at the end, traditionally, there forms a line. And everybody kind of says their last goodbyes. They walk in front of the casket, and usually the family's at the end. And so the husband is there at the end, and everybody's walking through it. As he's walking through, he's getting ready to walk past. But my friend tells me that, that his knees buckled, and he fell to the ground. And as he fell to the ground, he had like 70, 70 years of like pent up emotion. He just starts crying and crying and crying. And people in the audience, uh, you know, people there, the family, they're just like, you know, feeling bad for him. Then he gets up, manages to, to get gather himself, he gets, and he climbs inside the casket. And he's on top of his dead wife, and he's yelling, screaming, he's, I loved you. I loved you. I loved you. I never got to tell you, but I loved you. And, you know, he, my pastor, he's just like beside himself. People that are holding, you know, their hands up to their mouths. Oh my gosh, oh my gosh, this is crazy. Finally, they were able to pull it out of the casket and, and family members helping, you know, to get out. And you guys, I tell you that story because some of us will never get a second chance. That's the reality. And so if there's anyone in your life, it doesn't just have to be a spouse, if there's anyone in your life that you haven't expressed, that you haven't made peace with, that you haven't forgiven, if there's anyone in your life that you know you gotta call, make that call, you know you gotta reach out, you know you gotta meet up, meet up with that, if there's anybody, you guys, for the honor of God, this is your time. You never, if you think, say what you got to say. Say it. If you think of something good, don't just hold it in, but express it. Let them know how much they mean to you. Express it. You may not get a second chance. And it was very real for this guy. Very real. You know, the scriptures say in James, it says this. It says, don't just be hearers of the word, but be doers of the word of God. And so I pray that today we will let God connect the disconnect in our lives. Would you bow your heads and join me in prayer today? Let's pray. God, we ask that you would connect the disconnect, even as we pray right now. Just take a minute to think if you're married, we'll start in your marriage, okay? And then I want you to work into a broader scope of relationships. It could be you think about your parents like I would, or, or maybe your grandparents. It could be it's your children or your siblings. It could be people that you work with or maybe someone that you grew up with. Maybe there's something in your heart that you know you need to say or you need to do or you need to be. Today we're going to connect the disconnect. Maybe it's someone that you owe an apology to. And you need to tell them. Maybe there's a gift that you have been meaning to give and you just need to give it. Maybe there's a word of encouragement. Someone has blessed you. Maybe your small group leader who has opened the doors to their home or they just, they've led the small group year after year after year and, and you've never told them thanks. You need to tell them thank you. There's someone who prays for you. Maybe every week, and we have a prayer team who prays for you every weekend, but maybe there's someone else you know, a loved one that loves you and is praying for you every single day or every single week and you need to tell them thank you. There's someone who's loved you and been there for you through a hard time. And you need to be there for them. 
maybe your marriage is, is hanging on by a thread and you're just, you're just really good at pointing fingers and you need to become something different. Some, someone in your life, if they die today, you would live with regrets. And so today I want to encourage you to connect the disconnect. Do the right thing. Those of you who would say, yes, my marriage, or in other relationships, I maybe had some good intentions, I had some, I meant to, but I haven't given life to those things that I thought about. And so today I want to commit to say, you know what? I'm going to do it. I'm going to be it. I'm going to, I'm going to say it. And you're going to say, God, I want you to help me to connect the disconnect. If that's you today, would you just please stand with me all over this place? I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you in this moment. See some people standing. I'm just going to pray. People are standing all over this place. God, I pray that in your presence, you would connect the disconnect. God, I pray that you would impart to us your truth, your vision of what we should do. And God, as you give us good thoughts, help us to give life to them, to say it. God, help us to care enough to speak life. God, I pray that we would leave today convicted by the power of your Holy Spirit to do, not just hear your word, but to do your word, to do whatever you call us to do. God, wherever there is sin in our lives, show it to us. Convict us of it, God. And we will confess it before you, and we ask that you cleanse us, oh God. Cleanse us from us, change our hearts, that we may honor you in all of our relationships. And God, as you show us what to do, we commit not to delay in obedience, but to swiftly obey you and trust you, God. We trust you for the results. We pray for healing in this moment. We pray for hope in this moment. We pray for wholeness in this moment. We pray for restoration. We pray for your greatest blessings in all of our relationships. And as you continue to pray today, let me just talk about what scares me as your pastor. What scares the fire out of me today in our church, and not just in our church, but all over the churches across America. What I think there's so much of is, is people who claim Jesus, but there's no real change in their life. It's as if a lot of people, they want to just add Jesus to their life. People want to say, well, I believe in Jesus, and yet they live as if he doesn't exist in their lives. They live whatever the heck they want, any way they want to. It doesn't change anything. And you know what? That scares me. That keeps me awake at night. It scares the fire out of me because I believe I've got some accountability in this. I've got some accountability in your life. And as your pastor, as the one who teaches you on a, on a weekly basis, it scares me. It scares me that people claim Jesus and continue to live in sin. It scares me that people claim Jesus and they don't give back to God and their ties and, and, and selfish thinking materialistic generation don't even give back to God what's theirs and walk out as if nothing. They claim Jesus and yet they look at pornography. They claim Jesus and their mouth is full of filth. They claim Jesus and, and Christians get divorced as much as non-Christians. I don't get it. Listen, when Jesus comes into your life, you cannot stay the same. You are changed. When the holy presence of God enters into your life, you cannot stay the same. It is impossible. Absolutely impossible. And so I raise the question, do you really believe Jesus? You may have heard of Jesus. Listen, demons believe in Jesus. But do you believe him? Who he says he is, the son of God, 
the sinless God, the sinless Son of God who died on the cross, a cruel death for you out of love so that your sins could be forgiven. And when he says this, if anyone would come after me and follow me, first you deny yourself. It's no longer about you. And then you lose your life. You surrender. It's not about you. As a disciple of Christ, you follow him. You don't intend to live his standard. You don't need to lead. You do live his standard. You let the Holy Spirit guide you. You let your mind be renewed. You no longer think like everyone else thinks. You let the word of God change your mind. You are different. You're not saved by, by good works. We're not saying that. You're, you're only saved by grace. But when you are saved, good works are a natural overflow of what God has done in your life. And there are some of us here, that you're here and you're here for this very moment. This is a divine moment in your life. You're on a divine appointment. You have good intentions, good mentu towards God, towards the things of God. You probably said some prayers, but, but you haven't surrendered your life completely to Jesus as Lord. You may call on Him as Savior, but you keep Him, you know, Jesus, just keep me out of hell. Just keep me out of hell, Jesus. But He wants your whole life. That's what it means when He says, I want to be the Lord. He wants to be the Lord. He wants to be first. Those of you that are saying, you know what, that is my prayer. I surrender to that. I, I, I just, I don't intend to live your way. I commit to live your way. Jesus, have your perfect way in my life. Save me. Yes, Jesus, forgive me. Change me and lead me and I, I'm going to follow you. Those of you that cry out for mercy. Those of you that cry out for strength, for direction, for vision, for passion. Infused from God on high. You say, Jesus, save me. Be the Savior and the Lord of my life.